from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. It would be, quote, a major cultural loss. What I think is great right now is it's raising the discussion in the community about the importance of historic architecture. Do you think they could face some pushback from the community if they don't proactively take this on and not just wait for third parties to step up? Well, I think that they're already facing significant pushback from the community. If the symphony is planning on and has the capacity, and they certainly do, to raise $100 million for an expansion, then what's one more? What's $1 million more, you know? I'm Sarah Fenske. The proposed $100 million renovation of Powell Hall means good things for the St. Louis Symphony Orchestra. But one piece of it has preservationists alarmed. The symphony has won preliminary approval to demolish a 19th century home known as the Culver House. The city's preservation board voted 3-2 to two to approve the symphony's plans, including that demolition, last week. But the meeting also led to an offer that could change the equation. And joining us today with more is Andrew while. He is executive director of the Landmarks Association of St. Louis, which has advocated for Culver House to be saved. Andrew, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. And we're also joined today by Steve Smith. He's the CEO of the Lawrence Group Architects and co-founder of the New and Found development firm that's responsible for the City Foundry and other cool projects around town. Steve, welcome. Thank you, Sarah. So, Andrew, I want to start with you. You spoke at the Preservation Board meeting in favor of Culver House's preservation. Can you tell us just a little bit about this house? What makes it worth saving? Uh, well... I don't know how much time we have here. Um, we're it, looking for maybe a, the one-minute version, yeah. <laughs> the one-minute version. It's a, it, it's a very rare survival uh, residential building in the Midtown area, um, an area that once um, had uh, incredibly dense and incredibly beautiful uh, residential neighborhoods all surrounding um, what became the the grand, you know, Midtown Theater District. Um, but so much, the, I mean, almost essentially all of that residential architecture was destroyed in the middle of the 20th century. Um, and so there are very few surviving remnants of, um, of what that neighborhood once looked like. And it was one of the, the finest, finest residential uh, architectural collections um, in the city. Um, and then I would also just say that this is a, a very, not just a beautiful and significant home, but, but a very potentially useful home. And I, did, I just think that it deserves uh, at least a, a very hard look, um, scrutiny to see um, if we can, you know, just not lose another, another building there in an area where really the, the ultimate goal is to re- rebuild and restore density. Mm-hmm. Andrew, you said you could see a lot of uses here. Um, when's the last time this building actually was, was in use? Well, I, I mean, I think the last use of it was uh, for the Portfolio Gallery, which was a, um, an art gallery uh, operated by a man named Robert Powell. Um, I'm not sure exactly when the symphony purchased it from, from Mr. Powell, or if indeed that is exactly the uh, the, the chain of, of ownership. Mm-hmm. But um, to my knowledge, it has not been used in several years actively. 
Okay. So, Steve, I think the great excitement that happened at this preservation board meeting is that you made a spur-of-the-moment offer that could lead to Culver House being saved. I guess my first question should be, uh, what were you doing at this preservation board meeting to begin with? Were you interested in this particular issue? So, no. So, so for background purposes, I'm a friend of the symphony. I've redeveloped uh, the, the historic buildings across the street from the symphony, the Grand Center Arts Academy, the Sun Theater, and now the on God Arts Hotel, and so they've been great neighbors for many years, and I really appreciate what they're doing. But separately, I'm also a preservationist. I've been restoring buildings in St. Louis for 42 years, Mm -hmm. since 1979, and so I'm sitting in this meeting, and I'm hearing both sides, and both sides have valid cases, uh, you know, the symphony to create a world-class facility for a world-class symphony, and the preservation community trying to preserve the wonderful legacy we have in St. Louis. And it just popped in my head, the symphony offered to give the building away in the hearing. And I thought, should I have land? Um, I'll contribute the land if the community can step up and, and find a way to fund the move. So I just I threw it out there, and <laughs> I'm sort of amazed with the reaction. So. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of a big thing to just kind of throw out there. I, I don't know that that happens every day. You have a particular relocation spot. This would be the southwest corner of Sam Shepard Drive, Cardinal Avenue. That's pretty close to where yeah, this like building is today. So, yeah, I own multiple properties. I, you know, I've been in Grand Center since 1999, uh, so what are the 20? three years and so there are parcels that we own and so we'll find a place to put it that's where i was thinking we would put it because it's in an area where there are other residences yeah to andrew's point the thing sits there by itself surrounded by parking lots right now it'd be nice if it was in an area where there were other houses so it feels like it contributes to a community to a neighborhood which it doesn't right now so, Andrew, thinking about this idea of moving this, um, do we lose something when we move a historic home, even if we're only just moving it a couple blocks away? Or is it the home itself uh, that really is worth preserving, not its current location? You certainly lose uh, the sense of place, the original sense of place, by, by moving one of, one of these buildings. Um, it should always be regarded as a last ditch sort of triage effort um, to to retain the, the building even if it's not on the on the original location um, we almost certainly would lose uh, the eligibility that the property currently has for listing in the National Register of Historic Places by moving it but um, I think that everybody uh, would rather see um, the, the property moved and retained and reused and celebrated Uh, than see it crushed up and tossed in a landfill. Well, we want to hear from you. Do you support saving Culver House? Why or why not? Would you actually pitch in? Would you put your money where your mouth is to make that happen? Call us at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air. We have heard from some preservationists on Twitter. Uh, Chrysalis writes on Twitter, it's so strikingly unusual that it must be saved. Uh, Lindsay writes, you'd never be able to build something like that again. That's beautiful. So we're thinking about okay, this could move. It could move pretty close. How hard is it to move a building like Culver House? Steve, do you have any thoughts on whether well, this is even doable? Yeah, so so there, it's been done in the past. A masonry house is more difficult than a frame house because, you know, the brick, it was built 100 years ago, so the fear is you end up with a pile of bricks in the middle of the street halfway down the move. But yeah, uh, there that's are a professional movers, and, and I know in the NGA site, there was a house moved uh, 
uh, five years ago or so. And, and the symphony, I think, is out getting pricing right now. So I think they're, you know, they're they're being a partner in trying to see if there's a path here. So um, anyway, I, I think it's logistically possible, but it is expensive. And uh, how expensive are we talking? Uh, you know, the house that I heard that was moved in uh, in five years ago at NGA was about a half million for the move, and I think there was another quarter million dollars. They had to move power lines, and, you know, that was three-quarter of a million dollars five years ago. So, and that doesn't include trying to make the house usable again because it's, you know, it's a little long in the tooth. So. It needs some work even beyond yeah. the movement of it. Yeah. Andrew, does this seem doable? Is this something where if people could ante up the money, this is a price tag that would even make sense? Yeah, well, um, I, I, first, I'd, I'd like the opportunity to say that we, our Landmarks Association of St. Louis and these preservationists, as we're calling them, who are, who are concerned about this, I think universally um, have nothing but respect for the St. Louis Symphony and for what they've done in, in Grand Center, and everybody wants to see SLSO get what it, what it needs to thrive and, um, you know, and continue to, to contribute and create even more of a world-class institution there. So it's not really an either-or proposition here. Um, we're just looking to... Uh, to come up with a creative solution. Um, it certainly can be moved. There's no question about that. And it's something I actually forwarded to uh, St. Louis Public Radio, it was last week, some um, scans of the old city directories from the turn of the, the 19th century when the city was full of house movers. Um, it was a very, very common thing to do, and there are wonderful pictures of um, houses just like this, of this scale and of this type of construction being moved using nothing but mechanical leverage and teams of horses and mules. Um, so they could easily do it uh, 100, 120 years ago. We, we certainly have the technology capacity to do it today. Well, that seems so hopeful. I want to go to the phone lines. Randy is calling from South St. Louis. Uh, Randy, hi, you're on St. Louis on the Air. Everyone, thanks for taking my call, and I, uh, I really applaud and respect um, the efforts of Andrew and Landmarks Association and Steve Smith um, in hoping to find a compromise um, in this issue. Uh, what I really want to um, stress is that, uh, you know, that most cities do not have the rich historic urban fabric that St. Louis has in spades. It is truly our greatest competitive advantage as a city. And uh, the symphony, being the prestigious cultural institution that it is, has a responsibility and an obligation to reflect the character and, um, and the, the class and sophistication of the city it serves. And part of that rich cultural context comes from our irreplaceable urban fabric and the distinctive architecture that defines St. Louis. And I think this could really be a win-win if we can find a way to move this building so that the symphony can proceed with its um, impressive expansion plans while also respecting what was there long before. Um, and then it would be a win-win for everybody, and the symphony could be lauded as a hero rather than a villain, and we can all go on and celebrate the great cultural amenities that this city has. Um, Randy, thank you for that. I appreciate that perspective. Um, I'm hearing a lot of people say, hey, this building is, is so strikingly unusual and th this is um, architecturally significant. Um, Steve, you've been involved in a lot of these preservation efforts. Is that necessarily the case for yeah, this so building? So first, I, I would like to add, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I think St. Louis is in a competition for talent. And to the point that the caller made, 
uh, St. Louis City and St. Louis County lost population, you know, that was reported yeah. just a week or so ago. And, and one of the differentiators we have is our wonderful, wonderful historic architectural legacy. I think as a community, we need to find a way to support the restoration of critical and key properties throughout the city to make our place more competitive. So what I think is great right now is it's raising the discussion in the community about the importance of historic architecture. You know, this particular house, I think there's pros and cons. It's not a historic, it's not a historic district. It's not a nationally registered house. You know, there are lots of properties that are really key that we need to restore. We're very active right now in trying to restore the Second Baptist Church on North Kings Highway. That would be the uh, Gospel the, Music the, Hall the, of the Fame. The Gospel Music Hall of Fame, and yeah. we don't have the money to do it right now. That is a treasure. And so I do think that this community needs to, to reflect on what do we want to do as a community to try and, and salvage the great and wonderful architecture so we can be more competitive to attract people in the future and hopefully grow population and jobs and all the other things that come with that. Yeah, I mean, Steve, you mentioned that, Bill. Building that's in the Holy Corners part of yeah. the Central West End that you are working actively to try to save. That doesn't have funding yet either. That's correct. And we, it's a not-for-profit as well. And so we're trying to figure out how can we do that? Because it, it yeah. part of the problem we have in this community is, is demolition by neglect. Yeah. And so um, so many of the treasures we have are just are just literally rotting, if you want to call it that, and then falling down, we end up with an empty lot. So I think there's a broader conversation we should have as a, as a community on how we can do this and working with landmarks and other organizations to, to have a more strategic approach to how we salvage our legacy architecture. Let's go back to the phone lines. Jerry is calling from St. Louis. Uh, Jerry, hi, you're on St. Louis on the Air. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, my perspective about the uh, Culver House. It comes from. Uh, uh, I'm a priest who worked a lot in North St. Louis, and so I had a lot of connections in the Black community, and got to know Robert Powell, and and saw him with the classes for kids, and went to some great art shows there, and uh, and so he he was a Black person who actually thrived about a few feet south of the Del Mar Divide. Isn't that wonderful? Hmm. I just think it would be so ironic if we threw away. Um, the house that Robert Powell used so creatively to uh, use it for Walter Powell. I think there's room for Robert Powell, the artist, somehow to be saved, and Walter Powell, the shoe manufacturer who donated the money for the symphony hall, to be saved. We need to heal racial relations north and south of Del Mar. Jerry, thank you so much for sharing that comment. And I didn't even make that connection between Robert Powell, um, who's been a guest on this show and was uh, the last person to really use this space as an art gallery, and the name of Powell Hall. But there is some nice symmetry there. Uh, Let's go back to the phone lines. Andy is calling from St. Louis. Um, Andy, hi. You're on St. Louis on the Air. Hi. How's it going? I would just like to add my two cents. I think the symphony is uh, so loved in the city that if they put their name behind it, we could easily get a GoFundMe going to raise funds, and I'd be happy to help with that. And um, just like when they used to have the antique caravan, the market, um, you know, a lot of those proceeds went back to the symphony. I think a GoFundMe is a no-brainer. We can move this house, and I believe it needs to be saved. Andy, thank you for those comments. I like that idea of a GoFundMe. Andrew, you know, there's a number of buildings people have talked about saving over the years. And as Steve said, demolition by neglect, it just hasn't happened. Do you think people would step up for this, put their money where their mouth is? Well, I, I think that GoFundMe is 
probably not my first choice, although I appreciate that he, the caller is correct that there is an enormous amount of, of um, support for this idea in the community. But, you know, the symphony is talking about a $100 million expansion here. Um, moving this house, there are a lot of variables, but it would be, you know, less than a million dollars, I would expect. And that, that's, a, that's coming from actually speaking with a company called EHM, Expert House Movers, who, um, who moved that previously referenced home um, within the NGA footprint a few years ago. So they have looked at this, and um, I understand that the symphony is actually looking at this with them. So, you know, thank you to the symphony for, for considering this. Um, but, you know, this is a drop in the bucket. If, if the symphony is planning on and has the capacity, and they certainly do, to raise $100 million for an expansion, then what's one more what's one million dollars more you know it's one one hundredth of what they're talking about doing plus it's going to cost a lot of money to demolish this building um so there's a sunk cost already uh you know in built in baked into what the symphony is talking about spending um so yeah uh, i i think that honestly that's the symphony owns the building um i i can see using the building it's big enough and and beautiful enough that it would be an attractive place for the symphony maybe to to put up visiting artists and turn it into an airbnb type of a space for visiting artists it could be practice space for for smaller ensembles the the opportunities are really limitless and i also think that because there's so much crossover between the membership and the supporters of the st louis symphony orchestra and the preservation community in st louis that an effort on behalf of the symphony, by the symphony, to do something creative with this building and save it might scare up um, donors that weren't already, you know, thinking about uh, contributing to the uh, the capital campaign that that's getting going for the symphony. They might say, oh, you know, I, I, I never really thought about the St. Louis Symphony as being a historic preservation organization, but it most certainly is. And you need look no further than the fact that it moved into the St. Louis Theater building at the end of the 1960s and saved that building um, and really pro- provided a, a incredibly important anchor in a historic institution in, in Grand Center. Uh, so our producer reached out to the St. Louis Symphony Orchestra to hear what they're thinking about this this question. Maria Len Bernard, who's the uh, president and CEO, said, quote, On March 28th, the St. Louis Symphony Orchestra received preliminary approval from the St. Louis Preservation Board regarding the renovation and expansion of Powell Hall. The meeting was informative. We received great feedback from participants who joined the public hearing. Our team is engaging in conversations with historic preservation experts and continues to explore options regarding the vacant building located behind Powell Hall. So that statement could go either way. It doesn't sound like they're saying they're necessarily going to take the lead. It also doesn't sound like they're ruling it out. Um, Andrew, do you think they could face some pushback from the community if they don't proactively take this on and not just wait for third parties to step up? Well, I think that they're already facing significant pushback from the community. Um, And I I hope, and and from what I've seen, and I know the way that I, on behalf of Landmarks Association, have engaged with the symphony has been to try to be as constructive and, uh, you know, as constructive as possible and supportive as possible, because, like I said before, we all want the symphony to, to have everything that it needs. Um, 
we're just concerned about the idea that this beloved arts institution, beloved cultural institution, um, is perhaps perhaps naively putting itself in a position to destroy another beloved cultural <laughs> cultural asset. And um, I, I just think that that a cooperative effort could, is 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 so attainable. Um, um, and um, one other thing I wanted to mention is that the, the, the Cultural Resources Office approved this uh, proposal primarily because it did not have jurisdiction over this building, because it's not in a preservation review area, and it was uh, left out of the Midtown National Register District, which was a, a total mistake, and has been it was created by Landmarks Association. It was done in 1978, mm-hmm. um, and it was a... a, a an abject mistake to leave this building out. The district was mostly focused on the institutional um, and commercial buildings in the area, not so much the residential architecture. Um, but if you if you look at the actual survey and the nomination, it does identify this building specifically and categorizes it as a building that if demolition uh, were to happen, it would be, quote, a major cultural loss. Mm-hmm. So just the fact that this was an oversight 40 years ago, um, it, it, it having re, un, unanticipated repercussions today in that the Preservation Board did not, and the Cultural Resources did not have jurisdiction, doesn't mean it's not an important building, and it doesn't mean that things haven't changed since 1978. Hmm. Well, that is some really interesting perspective to share in there. And um, Andrew Weil, I want to thank you so much for, for sharing your insight into this today. You're very welcome, and uh, we we look forward to continuing to engage uh, our our good friends with the St. Louis Symphony on this this issue. And Andrew is the executive director of the Landmarks Association of St. Louis. Steve Smith, you got involved because you're a supporter of the symphony. The symphony is now under some pressure to do something here. Are you hopeful that this building can be saved? Well, I'm hopeful we can find a solution. Let me just put it that way. So I don't know what that path might be. Uh, trying to play my part in doing that. So. Um, you know, I, I look at our, our legacy architecture more holistically in terms of what we need to do as a region. So, um, like I said, I've been doing it for a long time. I've seen how historic buildings can uh, solidify neighborhoods um, and, and stabilize neighborhoods. And some of the iconic buildings that we've renovated over the years give pride to the community. And so that's where my focus is. Well, I hope you're right. And there can be a solution here. And I appreciate uh, you joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. episode was produced by Danny Wissentowski with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.
Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.